I love this next story. I think this is really neat because when you think of um, virtual reality, I think most of us would just think of like a flight simulator, you know, the gaming world. Um, but this reality is actually starting to get implemented much more widely to help new Canadians. And there, there's a, a great pilot project underway right now at the U of T where they're using virtual reality to help newcomers learn English. English, So they put them in all different kinds of scenarios. So maybe they'll go to a shopping mall. They go to a, a doctor's office or a job interview. And they enter this fake world where no one's watching, where these new Canadians can have a very kind of real experience talking through scenarios and answering questions, making their mistakes, and then they don't feel embarrassed. And so far, researchers are finding that those who take part are mastering their language much more quickly and getting a lot of confidence. Paul Alexander is the project's assistant principal investigator of this virtual reality project and joins us now. Great to have you, Paul. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's called groundbreaking, but yeah, when you read through it, you think to yourself, well, why haven't we been using this technology sooner? Because it just <laughs> seems like such a perfect use for it, but I never thought, would have thought where you get these new Canadians and you're literally putting them into their own cartoon. Well, you know, you make a really good point. Um, you, you know, until now, in terms of language learning, we usually... You know, we teach uh, vocabulary, grammar, conversational sense of starters, and then we do a lot of role play in the classroom. Well, at U of T, uh, we've been running a program with the Syrian Canadian Foundation where we, we teach uh, Canadian newcomers uh, English. And yeah. we thought for this year, let's see if we can change the, the, the later part of the learning where we, we put them into these simulations. And as you're mentioning, these different scenarios, whether it's a restaurant, a shop, an art gallery, or, or even an office. And, and then they get to practice their language in, in these real immersive contexts. Yeah. And so what do the, how, why is this working so well? Is it because, um, you know, I know it looks fun. There's a great picture of these new Syrian women who have come to this country. And there they are. They're like walking around with their virtual um, kind of their headset on and they're like having a lot of fun with this. And is it just that they become a character um, and they just feel like they're not as in, inhibited and, in, in, you know, as held back? Yes, I, I think so. And, that, and that's part of it. Um, you know, we're, we're always kind of self-conscious when we're, we're learning a new language, I believe. And uh, for the newcomers, you know, when you're in a real traditional classroom, you know, when, when you make the mistakes uh, and you realize it, um, that can lead to a sense of embarrassment. Well, when you're in mm -hmm. VR, um, typically what we have is uh, we, we, we assume the role of a of an avatar, a kind of a, yeah. a cartoon character. And it, it seems to kind of free them from that responsibility or, or, or that embarrassment. So, the, you know, uh, we have found that so far um, they, they love communicating. We, we weren't sure what we were going to see. Uh, but when you go into these immersive worlds or, or scenarios, um, they just start uh, exploring. Uh, they start mm. communicating with one another. Um, uh, jokes galore, um, just having a whole lot of fun. And it, it's almost like, uh, you know, they're, they're being represented by someone um, that's just two degrees off who they really are. And that, and that gives them that, that freedom, yeah, to, to yeah. Um, express themselves more freely. Yeah, and, and there's a whole bunch of different scenarios. So you could meet, maybe go on a Canadian road trip, which I think would be absolutely hilarious um, to see. Uh, you go to a dinner party, you might go to the Eaton Center, or maybe you're going to a job interview. And then I guess the lead uh, researcher or instructor takes you through the adventure, speaks to you, and then 
you know, they speak back. Have you managed, though, to gather enough data to see how much better this is than, let's say, a traditional classroom? Like, how fast are they able to grasp the language more clearly with this system? Well, that's a good question. We're, we're looking at several different metrics. Um, and specifically, we're, we're look, looking at different means of communication, means of interaction. Um, we're also looking at ways we can assess students when they're in VR, like how do we know if they're learning what we hope they're learning. Um, right now, I think we've just finished our first pilot study, and we're going to be rolling this out again uh, in another couple of weeks and then later in the fall as well. Um, but where we're finding the biggest improvements thus far in our data is student confidence. Um, mm. And it's really, it's really interesting because we're running two classes in parallel to one another. We're, we're running a traditional class like we normally would right. in the past. And then we have the VR group. And in yeah. the VR group, it's, they're not in VR the whole class. Like they, they come to the UTM campus. Um, they go to a state-of-the-art classroom. We have, a, we have really wonderful instructors. And they, they go through the typical language learning um, activities and what have you. Uh, but when it comes to the part you, you know, that kind of like the money time where we have them do the role plays. This is where we, we have them jump into VR. And yeah. we do this a couple of times per class, about 20 minutes per session. Um, we don't want to <clears throat> have them immersed so long. Uh, there is mm -hmm. this thing called motion sickness or VR sickness. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, we screen for that. Uh, they don't have that experience. Fortunately, um, I think that's part of the, the the pedagogy or the teaching methods that we're trying to develop. So um, it, it's really interesting. Uh, one thing we're finding is we really want to have the students be as active as possible in these scenarios. So it's all about task-based learning, give, giving them active learning tasks to do mm -hmm. and to communicate with others. We, we have not just our teacher in VR, but we usually have one or two teaching assistants that are role-playing clerks or waitresses or uh, working professionals that they need to interact with. Um, I know, and, so um, and it's I, gone really well. Yeah, no, it sounds like a fabulous um, pilot project. I just don't, again, why have we not done this before? And uh, <laughs> look, if this thing is successful, and I know it can be expensive, but is there an, uh, could there be a plan for a national rollout? Or do we think bigger, Paul, and say, you know what, if this works, you could theoretically get it into the hands of, and maybe it might be a cost issue, but get into the hands of those who want to come here ahead of time so that they can start working ahead on this. Is, are these too big thinking, uh, you know, okay. am I thinking too big or is this the goal? No, I, I think that those are stretch goals for the future. Um, I, I'm always thinking about them myself and my, my own research and work. Um, I think. Um, our, our research, our, our pilot or our, our project is not necessarily thinking about how we're going to scale it up at this point, uh, because right. honestly, we're still we're still in the early days of VR um, and the VR headsets. They're, they're quite expensive. Like the, the ones yeah. that we're using, they're they're in Canadian dollars or five hundred dollars a headset. And and that's just to get into the game. If, if you want more expensive headsets, they can run up into almost ten thousand dollars for a headset, uh, but, but that's yeah. just used mostly for research, what have you. So wh where do we go from here? Well, right now we're just trying to figure out, we're, we're kicking the tires, if you will. We're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, um, how teachers can integrate immersive technologies into language learning, and perhaps later, uh, other subject areas, maybe uh, the sciences or history and, and so forth. Once we've mas mastered the, the design of pedagogy or teaching methods, then we'll hopefully 
as research and development in VR improves over the years, we will have not just better headsets, but hopefully they'll be cheaper as well. And then maybe yeah. if, we're, if we're talking about scaling it up, uh, just like we do in public schools, we have tech carts with iPad minis and Chromebooks and things like that. Maybe we'll have sets of uh, VR headsets or, or just like, you know, in our own consumer worlds uh, at home, yeah. we have TVs and smartphones. Maybe in 10 years, uh, not everyone will have a VR headset, but maybe many homes will have a VR, a VR headset. And, or, or you know, hey, so. uh, Paul, you never know. This could be a great public-private um, <laughs> partnership where companies say, hey, we'll teach you English. We've got labor shortages, so they can kick in. And uh, I think it's a terrific program. I hope we can have you back uh, when we get some of the data in because I think it's really, really interesting how it's being taught. Mm. But if it's as successful as it seems to be uh, and fun, hey, we're on to something. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. That is uh, Paul Alexander. He is with this uh, particular virtual reality project. And this is one of those conversations that I could have gone on and on because there's so much I wanted to find out about it. But nonetheless, we'll have Paul back on um, to kind of discuss what they're finding because there is a waiting list for this. So it's popular. I'm Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto.